Good evening, TDN listeners, and welcome to this week's interview with your host, Anthony Drago. I hope everyone is having a good week. I hope you had a, a nice weekend. Those of you who are living in the United States of America, I hope that you had a happy holidays. Whether you celebrate the 4th of July as Independence Day or you don't celebrate it as Independence Day, I hope that you had uh, a restful time or fun time, whatever you did to mark the weekend. Um, as, as people of African descent, we have uh, a little bit of a complex, complicated relationship to the fourth and the celebration of the fourth. And everybody has to have their own understanding of that. But I hope you had, I hope you had a good weekend. Monday was a holiday because Sunday was the fourth. And, um, and I hope that you're having a good week so far. But welcome, this is This Week in Interview on TDN Radio. And you can be viewing us on tdntv.net as well. We are also streaming live on Facebook, This Week in Interview Facebook page, as well as um, TDN Radio Facebook page. So you could do tdntv.net, or if you, uh, for those of you who don't do Facebook, or you just rather interact on tdntv, that's, that's fine. And for those of you who do Facebook, we can do the Facebook page of uh, This Week in Interview and TDN Radio. For those of you in Dominica who are listening to us um, with our affiliate station, RVR Jams, on DigiPlay Channel 59, welcome as well. And everybody else, my regular listeners, a very special welcome to you. You, you make the time to be with me on a Wednesday evening for an hour or so of this weekend interview, and I appreciate that tremendously. And if tonight is the first time that you're listening to me, I, I want to tell you welcome. Uh, I hope you like what you hear, and you too will become a regular listener. Uh, I had a guest lined up for tonight, but um, she's located in Florida, and um, there are some storms approaching Florida and she anticipated issues of connectivity with her internet, so she chose to to postpone. So to when we have a more, we will have a more guaranteed time together. So I I, I hope you forgive her for that. Um, and um, so that means that you stuck with me and only me um, for the hour. Although you can interact with me, those of you who are joining me live, you can interact with me through the chat. Type your comments, type your questions, and um, fellow viewers will see them. I will see them. I will respond to them. So, so this is where we can interact quite quite a bit. Tonight, I, I decided that I would talk about two things that happened between yesterday and today. One is the death of Patrick John. Um, Patrick John, who was the premier of Dominica, and he led Dominica into independence in 1978 independence from from great britain and um he passed away yesterday and so there was a lot of reminiscing a lot of memories of his time both as uh as, as a prime minister he was also an avid sportsman very instrumental in the management of sports and administration of sports in dominica so we will talk about that a little bit and i want to talk about it in the context of because he was the person who took Dominica to independence in 1978, um, I'm asking you the question, was Dominica ready for independence? Was Dominica ready for independence? I, asked that, I tested that question in a, for a few people, and they came back to me and said, this should not even be a question, because we should not have been colonized in the first place, we should not have been slaves in the first place, whatever. But I, I don't think that that is valid as, a, um, as, a, that's, uh, as an answer to my question. When Dominica became independent in 1978, was Dominica ready for independence? And I would like to try to answer that question based on the evidence that has happened since 1978 to, to the present time. Also, this morning, we awoke to the news that the president of Haiti had been killed. Um, and so I want to deal with that a little bit, my brothers and sisters, uh, from Haiti. I, I identify with them very strongly. I'm very proud to whatever little association I can have with the country of Haiti, people of Haiti. 
I embrace it. Sometimes I'm walking in New York and Haitians speak to me in Creole, assuming that I am Haitian. Luckily, I can understand them some of the times and I have I engage. I feel really proud when they mistake me for Haitian because I think they're just a people who who stand up for what they believe and who triumph despite so many odds. So those are the two things we'll be dealing with. The death of Dominica's first Prime Minister Patrick John and the death of um, Haiti Haitian president overnight and the implications um, for us as a people in the Caribbean. So let me jump off, do Mikkel Henderson, take that quick break that we usually take at the start of the program. And when we come back, I'm going to lead off with a little discussion on Haiti. You can type your comments in the chat. Um, I, will, I will take them on board and read them. And once we're done with that, we will pivot to Dominica and the death of Patrick John. So let's listen to Mikkel do the Cairo command then. Distant lands, our forefathers came. Some seeking adventure, some bound in chains. Through battles waged and fought, through victory and pain, by test of their courage. Our freedom was gained In homage to those gone before us us, The heroes of lands in the sun We vow to join hands and to focus On building one Caribbean Raise your voice and high Sing of your Caribbean pride
All right, welcome back. Um, Nikhil Henderson and the CARICOM and them. You know, CARICOM just celebrated 48 years of existence, four, eight years. And um, one of my favorite piñatas, one of my favorite things that I bash is, um, is CARICOM. So, of course, at another time, we'll discuss what does CARICOM have to show for for their 48 years of existence. Uh, but that's not tonight. Tonight, I want to start off by extending my condolences to, to the folks of Haiti on the death of their president. And, and of course, our grave concern uh, about what's going to be coming in the aftermath of, of this new development where their president were assassinated. There are reports that, it, that the assassination was done by foreign forces. Um, there are reports that they were wearing, some of them were wearing American um, drug enforcement agency uniforms. Um, I doubt that, I don't doubt that they would, that America could be involved in something like that, but I doubt that they would do it in their uniforms, but, we, but you don't know. Um, I saw a video of the folks going into the building and there was there were there were a number of of vehicles, um, pickup trucks and so on. And if you imagine the situation in Haiti, we know you we will understand that the 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 assassination had some funding. It it wasn't um some gang of guys from the street that stormed the building and just went in and shot him. Uh, when you look at the videos, you can see it was well orchestrated, well organized, well planned, and seemed to be well funded. And and so there's a, there's so much questions that you have to answer. Was it funded from within Haiti? Was it funded from outside of Haiti? But you know, uh, my heart goes out to the Haitian people. There are people that identify with very very strongly. Um, it was unfortunate I was born in Dominica. I, <laughs> I shouldn't say that Dominicans will hate on me. But I, I really strongly identify with the people of Haiti. Um, and I, I always burn when I see the amount of oppression that, that, they, that they go um, into. Um, I, some folks uh, respond when I ask about what has Cairo come to show for 48 years. They say nothing except turning the Caribbean into a a wanting place of corruption. But we'll deal with CARICOM. We'll deal with CARICOM um, uh, at, at, another, um, at another setting. But no, keep, keep your comments coming. Good evening to all of you who are joining us on, 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 the, on the live, on TDN TV Live, or on um, This Week in Interview Facebook page, or um, TDN Radio Facebook page. Wherever it is that you're joining us, you can enter the chat and you can interact. You can you can interact with us. So Haiti is um, going through even more turmoil, paying the price for for showing black people that if they really stand up for what they believe, they can conquer um, slavery, they can conquer colonialism, and that is what Haiti is, be, is paying for. Um, and, and they are the scapegoat and, and they are being made examples of. And they continue, they continue to suffer the Haitian people. And so my heart, my heart goes up very, very strongly to my people, um, the Haitian folks. I have, I have a couple of clips that I want to play just to set the stage and to provide some, um, I don't know, reliable information about what's taking place in Haiti right now. So let's go to the first clip, um, and then we'll come back and spend a little more time on Haiti. Identified men attacked the home in Port-au-Prince. The 53-year-old was elected in 2016 and had... Haiti's president, Jovenel Moïse, has been assassinated at his private residence. The country's interim prime minister says the killing happened when a group of unidentified men attacked the home in Port-au-Prince. The 53-year-old was elected in 2016 and had been ruling Haiti by decree for the last two years. 
His wife was injured in the attack and has been hospitalised. Haiti has seen an increase in politically motivated violence over recent months. The country is also suffering a humanitarian crisis because of shortages of food. Let's get more from Vidlor Merancourt, who's editor-in-chief of Aibo Post, an online news agency in Port-au-Prince. Welcome to DW. Uh, so what more uh, is known about how the president met his end? Okay, uh, we don't know more than what is being reported in the media. Um, according to the prime minister, he gave an interview uh, at a radio station and he also sent out a press release uh, this morning at 1 a.m., um, a commando with people in it who spoke French and who spoke English and Spanish. These people attacked the residence of the president. And uh, during this attack, um, the president was killed. His wife is uh, was injured and she is uh, in a critical condition at, at the hospital right now. Right. And, and did this uh, attack come out of nowhere? Uh, Haiti has been suffering um, uh, economically and uh, going through a period of, of uh, political instability as well. Okay, so I'm repeating uh, a human rights organization a lawyer. We are in a state of confusion right now in Haiti. Uh, the country is mainly controlled by a group of armed gangs. Um, and some of these gangs were allegedly having ties to the government. Um, the government was, uh, is, I mean, is contested by a large part of the opposition. Um, and they were trying to organize elections um, and change the constitution, which is illegal uh, as well. Mm. So who is in charge of the country at the moment with the, uh, with the president dead? That's a good question uh, because uh, we have constitutional uh, paths for these type of things, but um, most institutions in Haiti are not working properly. Um, you don't have a parliament uh, that is working properly. The Chamber of Deputies does not exist, and you only have one third of the senators. Uh, we don't have a judicial system which is working, um, and the prime minister that is who sent out this press release saying the government uh, is taking uh, the situation into control and trying to like bring uh, peace uh, to, to, to people's minds. Uh, it's a resigning government because bef just before the president was uh, killed, he, he nominated a new uh, prime minister. Uh, of course, the, the transfer of power from this previous prime minister to, this, to the new wasn't uh, effective. We are hearing uh, from lawyers and from uh, people that, you know, uh, folks should get together and, and try to find a new way because there is no legal pathways to, um, to, uh, to, to escape the situation that we are living right now. There is no legality, nothing in the books. Wow. Okay, thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, outlawing, uh, outlining that uh, to us. Vidlo uh, Merancourt from Aibo Post in Port-au-Prince. Javanel Moïse offered a glimmer of hope for Haiti at a time of numerous crises. A former businessman who wanted to lift people out of poverty in the poorest country in the Americas. Political stability is the first public resource. In no country on earth is it possible to talk about development unless there is political stability, unless there is social peace. But his years in office were challenging and he faced allegations of money laundering and corruption. Moïse became president of Haiti in 2017 after being chosen by the former leader Michel Martelly to become his successor of the center-right Haitian Tetkele party. 2015's election was the first to declare him winner, but the vote was overturned after allegations of fraud and violent street protests. The rerun was then delayed by Hurricane Matthew, which caused widespread destruction in the South. But when it was finally held in 2018, it sparked disagreements about when Moise's term would end. After legislative elections were delayed that year, Moïse stayed on to rule by decree without a parliament. He tried to reassure Haitians even as things deteriorated around him. 
violence pas marché avec développement ni démocratie. Violence does not work with development and democracy. We have to cut bridges with these old practices that are putting the country behind. Despite his calls for calm, the protests against him and his government got worse. He was accused of inaction in the face of increasing violence, a surge in kidnappings for ransom and the growth of armed gangs. In March, he declared some forms of protest as acts of terrorism. Days before his assassination, Moïse announced a new prime minister to tackle criminal violence, what would have been his seventh in four years. Not long after, a group of individuals broke into his home in the capital, Port-au-Prince, and shot him dead. Javanel Moïse was 53 years old. Well, let's cross live now to Andy Gallagher. He joins us from Miami. Uh, Andy, what more do we know about this assassination this hour? Uh, well, there are calls coming from around the world from international leaders calling for calm in Haiti and showing their support for the people of Haiti. But essentially what we have here is a situation where a group of armed men broke into the uh, president's private house on the outskirts of Port-au-Prince, uh, shot and killed Jovenel Moïse and injured his wife, the first lady who is now in hospital recovering. There are some reports suggesting these men were speaking Spanish and dressed as DEA agents who are from the U.S. Uh, that is clearly uh, not a DEA operation. Uh, but the question now is, how does Haiti cope with all this? Because already the Dominican Republic has reportedly closed the border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic over concerns of security. And this is, of course, a nation that is fragile at best, at the best of times. Uh, what we have here is an argument over the Constitution. Constitutionalists in Haiti saying that Jovenel Moïse should have stepped down about a year ago. He's been ruling by decree. Uh, elections haven't been held in some time. When they are held, there are often uh, allegations of fraud and corruption. Uh, so the question now is for the people of Haiti, 60% of whom survive on less than $2 a day, uh, what will happen next? Because situations in Haiti, as I've seen many times in the past, can spiral very, very quickly. Indeed, I think most people uh, will not be overly concerned that their president is dead, but more concerned about what this will mean to them and the security of their nation. So this is an extremely volatile situation, one that could really easily go out, go, go sideways, if you like. Uh, the deputy prime minister saying that the police are in control of the country, uh, but that is just the voice of one official. The reality in a country like Haiti is, is things could turn violent and very dangerous very quickly. We've already had gangs on the streets over the past year. Uh, critics saying those gangs were working for Jovenel Moïse. Uh, that has not been confirmed, but certainly I think there's a great deal of concern across the world about the situation in Haiti now that President Jovenel Moïse has been assassinated. Andy, it must be the, 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 I imagine there must be a great deal of concern uh, where you are in Miami because there is quite a large Haitian community there. Yeah, there's about 300,000 uh, Haitians call South Florida home. There's a large community here. I would imagine many of the people living here have family uh, back home in Haiti. So I think there will be deep concerns, again, not over the assassination, but over the safety of people in Haiti, because this is a situation, as we've seen before, remember, democracy in Haiti is only about 35 years old. We had uh, the Duvaliers, Papa Doc, and Baby Doc ruling for, for years. They had the Tonton Makut, the secret police that killed tens of thousands of people. Uh, so in essence, the democracy has been growing there, has been maturing, but it's still very fragile. So I think the security situation, certainly for people living here in little, little Haiti in Miami, they will be extremely concerned uh, about uh, what's happening with their family members back in Haiti. And remember, the United Nations had a large force there up until 2017. They have now largely pulled out of Haiti, uh, leaving uh, the nation exposed, if you like. But that was a popular move at the time. Certainly when I was there, people wanted uh, those troops gone. Uh, there were talk about forming their own Haitian army that there hasn't been one for, for, for decades. So it is really a delicate, precarious situation for Haitians who are already living in, if not the poorest country in the world, certainly the poorest other than sub-Saharan Africa. So a very delicate, very fragile, and potentially 
very dangerous situation. Okay, Andy Gallagher, they're bringing us the very latest from Miami. Uh, Andy, thank you very much indeed. Let's stay with this. We can speak now with Kim Ives, uh, journalist and editor with the newspaper Haiti Liberté. He joins us live by Skype from New York. It's good to have you with us. We were hearing from our correspondent about what a, a fragile situation Haiti is already in. What impact do you think the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse is going to have on the country? Well, all hell is going to break loose. I think uh, right now the opposition has been uh, pressing uh, to make a transitional government, uh, which I think the uh, head of the UN office there, Helen Lalim, who is a longtime career State Department officer, uh, has been somewhat sympathetic to and on the fence, from what my sources tell me. So I think now that uh, Jovenel is gone uh, and there's no clear successor, he just announced a new prime minister on Monday, uh, Dr. Uh, Ariel Henry, <clears throat> who um, Theoretically, I would have thought would have uh, been the one speaking, but instead it's the former interim prime minister, Claude Joseph, the former foreign minister that he was until uh, his predecessor, Jouth, resigned in April. So the circle around Jovenel was growing smaller and smaller. So I imagine now the U.S., uh, is, which holds a predominant uh, weight in Haiti, will uh, try to bring about some kind of transitional government. The streets, though, are going to be very hot. Uh, there are uh, neighborhood, armed neighborhood organizations uh, formed in an organization called the Revolutionary Forces of the G9 Family and Allies, which have called for a revolution against the system in Haiti. And by that, they mean the entire system, including all the power that the bourgeoisie of Haiti wields. And they want to see a change in the life of the uh, Haitian people who uh, live, uh, for the most part, in dire poverty and uh, misery. Well, so, talk, um, to, us, talk is, to us about that. Mm -hmm. We understand the situation in Haiti, very hot, as you say. Um, Talk to us about these armed gangs, because our understanding is it was an armed group that assassinated the president. We don't know at this stage who they are. Uh, but you have written yeah. on the, the, the gangs in Haiti. Uh, just give our, our, our international viewers a bit of context here. I mean, how big an issue are these armed gangs? I mean, who is actually mm -hmm. in charge of the country as it stands? Right. Well, what we do know is that the gangs and the killing of uh, Jovenel appear not to be connected. It was uh, apparently foreigners, uh, very well funded. They had nine new Nissan Patrol pickup trucks. Uh, they knew the layout of the president's house. They had inside information clearly. So this was a well-funded operation, probably backed by some country or a very large mafia of some sort. Now, the uh, situation of the gangs, as they're called in Haiti, uh, this has become sort of a grab bag because there are different forms of organization in Haiti's booming lumpen proletariat, which uh, Haiti uh, 50 years ago was a largely agricultural society, but through neoliberal reforms, which drove peasants off the land and into the cities. Port-au-Prince has swelled from 500,000 to over 3 million people. And most of these people live in vast shanty towns. They have uh, no employment, and they are trying to eke out a living. And in this um, uh, context, the authority of the state has diminished, and local leaders have emerged. And some of them have turned to kidnapping and various other crime, but primarily kidnapping, to uh, not only um, keep their neighborhood afloat, but, you know, give uh, some of their uh, neighbors and so forth uh, uh, money for a wedding or a funeral or what have you. Okay. Um, you, Against you, them. You, mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you, you're outlining the, 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 the situation, which sounds in incredibly delicate. It, 
in Haiti, mm. particularly for the people who live there. But I wanted to turn to something that you, you, you said earlier in that answer. You said that this was a well-funded group with their pickup trucks and so on, possibly financed yes. by a, 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 an external agent, a foreign country. Who might that be? I mean, given the state of Haiti right now, it has challenges economically, challenges politically. What benefit would there be for another country to overthrow the leadership? Uh, very hard to know. It may have been from within the Haitian bourgeoisie, uh, some of whose members are uh, very wealthy and possibly could have um, bankrolled an operation of this size and sophistication. But why would they want but, to get rid uh, of the president, is, I guess, is my question. Well, Jovenel Moise was at odds with many parts of the bourgeoisie, with members of the bourgeoisie who had sweetheart deals in some cases, which uh, he was trying to cut back on. We have to remember that Haiti had a thing called the Petro-Caribe Fund, uh, money from the sale of Venezuelan oil, cheap Venezuelan oil, from 2008 to 2018. That was cut off due to Trump's sanctions, President Donald Trump's sanctions against Venezuela. Venezuela could no longer provide the oil, and suddenly the money stopped for Haiti. So Jovenel had to go to members of this bourgeoisie who previously had supported him and say, listen, guys, you got to cut me some slack and give me uh, back some of the money and deals that I'd given you before and his predecessor had given as well, Michel Martelly. And okay. these, guy, they, these guys in the bourgeoisie got very, very mad and they said, no way. And they were in many ways funding the opposition. Uh, so it became and really commanded the central organizations of the opposition. And so there was a, a war between Jovenel Moise and some members of the Haitian bourgeoisie. Okay, uh, Kim, I was, I'm afraid we're out of time, uh, but great to get your perspective. Thank you so much for joining us by Skype from New York. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, um, that was long, but I think it was worth it because, uh, because there's so much misinformation going around the place. I want to make sure that my audience um, is well informed. I think this was a really good background. Of course, um, every reporter has their own perspective and their own bias, but I think you, you guys are smart enough to, um, to sp pass, pass through that and, and, and to, and to take the nuggets of information. But I think this, this lays a really good foundation as to what is it that transpired, that is transpiring in Haiti. And, and, you know, as it unfolds, as it unfolds, we will find out more. We will find out who benefits from it. Some of the questions uh, and some of the answers um, were a little bit, uh, you know, irritating because uh, we know that there are nations who benefit from chaos. That's the strategy that they've used in Africa in the Congo, in Sudan, in all of those places where they fund, they fund um, unrest so that while the government and the people are busy trying to sort their lives out, they can sneak in and, and take the resources of the country for themselves. That is not an unusual playbook. So when she asks, well, who will have an interest in destabilizing Haiti? The answer is obvious. The folks who the folks who want to take away Haiti's gold. Gold was discovered in Haiti and oil, huge um, oil reserves were, dis were discovered in Haiti. And in addition to that, the Haitian people are being used to produce a lot of products for the American market and so on at, at, at $2 a day. $2 a day. So there's this huge a labor force that is just one step above slavery. Because if, if you're an American company and you can get somebody to work for you for $2 an hour, $2 a day, that is slavery. It's even worse than slavery because at least as, as a slave, 
your owner had to make sure he kept you alive so that you could work for him tomorrow. But in a situation where he pays you $2 a day, you have to feed yourself and your family from that $2 and come back to work for him or her tomorrow. And so there are all of those, all of those um, dynamics that, that, that I play. Why Haiti being unstable is to the benefit of a number of folks. But we will look and see. The other thing is that what does it mean to be ruling by decree? And when we come back after the break, we will be talking about Dominica. And, and you, we have a government in Dominica that is ruling by the decree of one man. He says what goes and he says everything that. So we, we definitely will, will have to try to make the connection. They say when you're, when you're, like, for those of you who are not from Dominica, those of my, my, I have some regular listeners, but they're from Wesley and Marigot, so they don't understand maybe. It says that when your, when your friend's beard catches on fire, you need to sprinkle water on yours so yours did not catch fire as well. So what lesson is there for the other leaders in the Caribbean who are pretty much ruling by decree? Um, ignoring the constitution, circumventing the constitution, sometimes just doing, um, you know, a sham through the courts and the judiciary system. What lessons are there for them when they deteriorate all the institutions that are required for democracy to work? Are there any lessons for them with what happened in Haiti? But it's, I'm at the bottom of the hour. I need to take a quick break from, to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I am going to pivot to Patrick John's death and talk about Dominica's independence. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Presented by. Hi. Have you always wanted to learn how to paint but felt that you didn't have the talent to try? Well, pick up that paintbrush and join me, Nicole Georges Bennett, for Art and the Word on TDNTV.net, Wednesdays at 10.30 a.m. with repeats on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Join me for an exploration through art appreciation and biblical inspiration on Art and the Word, tdntv.net, Wednesdays at 10.30 with repeats on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Let's paint. If you live in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and are looking for Dominica products including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts and other popular Dominica items then look no further you can now shop on buydominicaonline.com a secure easy to navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica made and Dominica inspired products when you shop on buydominicaonline.com you are helping to grow Dominica's economy go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home People say I've got a great smile. Well, I have to say, this is all thanks to the professional team at Beacon Dental Group right here in Dorchester, Massachusetts. I've got world-class dental care. Beacon Dental Group has expert and caring staff dedicated to providing the most advanced and satisfactory treatment in all aspects of oral health. Their services are designed to meet your needs and give you a perfect smile, too. General checkups, cosmetic surgery, Gemini laser service, and advanced procedures, all in a state-of-the-art facility. Call or visit Beacon Dental Group today, 1026 Blue Hill Avenue, Dorchester, Massachusetts, or call 617-282-2146 for a smile that lights the world. So welcome back, and thank you for staying with us for the break you're listening to this week in interview with your host, Anthony Drago. And um, as I said, you could be listening to us if you're in your car driving on tdnradio.net. Uh, if you can see us, you can see me. Um, I don't know. Well, you can see me on tdntv.net. Um, also on um, Facebook, on Facebook Live, on TDN. Uh, a TDN Facebook page as well as a TDN Radio Facebook page. So, so welcome back and um, say thank you to our sponsors. And I have been making it a practice to say that Beacon Dental Group is a very professional group in um, dental service in Boston. 
and they have uh, a policy that if you are Dominican, the first time you visit their facility, they give you a free cleaning. And I have been extending it to all my TDN listeners, no matter where you're from. If you end up at Beacon Dental Group in Boston, you should get a free cleaning. You just tell them that you heard it on on this weekend interview. By the way, they are Caribbean owned Dominican and um and his wife is from Montserrat. Um they, they own it together. And it's very professional, very well equipped. All the facilities, all the procedures take place on site. So so you should check them out if they are within your reach. So what I was talking about about Haiti, um there were some comments that said a lot of similarities to Dominica. Um, all the quasi-dictatorship in the Caribbean who put their citizens in abject poverty should take note. Uh, corruption breeds corruption, crime, poverty, and here we are. So we're pivoting to, to Dominica and the passing of um, Patrick John yesterday. Patrick John was the premier of Dominica. And, and he led Dominica to independence from, from Great Britain, from, from England, um, in 1978, November 3rd, 1978. Uh, so he passed away yesterday. Uh, there, there's a debate going on right now as to whether he should be given a state funeral or, or an official funeral, because despite the fact that he was leader of the country, he was... Um, convicted of treason and he spent some time in jail and 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 he served his time he came out and he's been you know he was active in the administration of football and different other social activities and and so some folks that think that because he was convicted of a serious crime as treason he should not be given a state funeral you guys can tell me what you think um in the chat um I think it's more important to focus on the lessons that we should learn, that we should be taking on board from Patrick John's time as leader and, and what he did eventually that got him into trouble and into, into jail, into prison. And if we, have we forgotten that history? Are we repeating that history? Uh, I heard a, a tribute from... Afi Martin, talking about Patrick John and his interaction with Patrick John as his teacher, his geography teacher in high school. And then subsequently, um, a footballer, administration of football, and his, his social, his community work that eventually led him into politics. And the personality that Patrick John was and how um, evolving into the leader of the country was such a natural um, it was so natural for the person that he was. And yet still, um, we see where they, he was ac accused and, and there were accusations and, and, and a conviction for treason. The story, the, the reports being that he was um, colluding with, with folks who had associations with the Ku Klux Klan um, in the south of the United States to come down to Dominica and, and to carve out a portion of the island for a free port and, and so on. Um, there's somebody that's saying that Patrick John was wrongfully convicted. The Freedom Party was and is very a wicked regime. They are the same ones enabling the dictator today. So how does that tie I, I this, is a, this is a debate that has to go on. I wanted to focus on, well, by, before, I, before I go there, let me just say that my sincere condolences go out to the people of Dominica, because Patrick John belonged to the entire country of Dominica. He was, he was a statesman. Um, he, was, he, he led the country um, from colonialism into independence. Uh, and I want a uh, you know, special um, sh sympathy Greetings to his wife, his children, um, his family, and, and his friends. I went to school, actually, high school, grammar school, with one of his daughters, Paula. Um, haven't connected with her in a long time, but I don't know if she will eventually see this. So my condolences to you 
and to and to and to the rest of your family. All right. So in nineteen seventy eight, Dominica gained independence from England. Were we ready for independence? Were we ready for independence? What does it mean to be an independent country? I, I, I have a couple of analogies that I would like to deal with. Uh, there's a story in the Bible in Luke, the prodigal son. It's one of the more popular um, stories. If you grew up as a Catholic, um, which most um, people are, you have done the prodigal son as part of your catechism, where there was this son of, of a wealthy man who demanded his portion of his inheritance. It was given to him and he went away and and just spent it, you know, just gallivanting, associating maybe with prostitutes and just being wasteful and, and, and all of that. He eventually ended up in dire straits. A very, very bad situation. And in that situation, he made the decision to go back to his father's house and to ask for forgiveness and to ask to be taken back. Do we see an analogy to, to Dominica and the islands of the Caribbean where we got our independence in the 70s? And we've self-governed ourselves, we've attempted to self-govern, but we've seen the deterioration, the, 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 the rapid, in some instances, deterioration of the quality of life of Caribbean people. Um, I went, uh, when I went to Dominica in 2010, I found out that they had pay-as-you-go electricity. That, that stood out in my mind because Prior to that, practically everybody in Dominica had electricity, and it was not a question as to whether you could pay for your electricity or not. And then all of, and then it turned out that the country was in such a condition that people could not pay for full-time electricity in their homes. They, they, they could turn off the electricity, put almost like a coin machine, put money in when they needed it. So if you went to town and you buy some frozen things and you needed your fridge, you would turn on your electricity so your meat wouldn't spoil um, and, and so on so you could turn that off and that to me registered in my mind as a really bad reverse gear and that was in 2010 we've seen so much more deterioration since then um, I remember when we were growing up we had family who used to come to Dominica they, they used to live in different islands they used to live in the US they would come to Dominica so they could have surgery get healed and then go back. Nowadays, for the most, almost the most basic ailments, people are looking for the first opportunity to go to get medical care outside of Dominica. We see the amount of crime that happens. We see a deterioration in the safety on the roads. So many accidents, so many deaths, and so on. Whatever the individual reasons for any on any one or all of those things, um, the question is: Do you, if you agree with my premise that the quality of life of Dominicans have deteriorated from 1978 to now? Maybe it took a trajectory upwards and then it fell. If you take into account that Dominica has not been able to make most simple and basic modifications to the constitution to make it more applicable to Dominica. We have the issues of electoral reform and all of those other things. So, and we see where, by and large, people are people are suffering. Even if when we were colonized, many of my listeners are a little bit older. So we benefited from education that was set up under colonialism. The education was set up to make us civil servants so we could, we, could serve, we could serve the crown, but it served that purpose. And it gave us a very strong educational grounding that then took us onto where we are right now. And we see 
that deterioration. The, the, the island has not been able to, to change its curriculum to make it more applicable to the needs of the country so that when folks leave high school and the college and so on, they, they, they can support the economy and the, and the industry. So were we not ready for independence? I'm seeing that um, there's, a, there's an answer on there that said the question of independence, we had no choice because the British Empire was crumbling. Uh, and they decided to let go of the colonies, so it really wasn't our call. But I, I remember the fervor with which the fervor with which Dominicans and other people in the Caribbean was was um, clamoring for independence. There's another. There's a, there's a sentiment that's also going in the chat that that says that Patrick John was wrongfully accused and and convicted. He was doing so well with numerous achievements during his tenure in government that the opposition then thought that they stood a slim chance of ascending into political power. As a result, they set their base, engineers by the union, especially CSA. It was all propaganda. All the turmoil which ensued was led by Charles Savre. And I hear that part of the argument, but I also see a news reports where the, those folks were, were arrested in the U.S., um, while they were in the process of boarding ships heading to Dominica with arms, so that's a debate that we can that we can, that we can have. The, 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 the debate I want to have right now is to say, were we ready for independence in 1978? And if if right now we are like the prodigal son, we find ourselves sleeping with swine and eating swine food. Should we go back to the colonialists and say, listen, we, we have proven that we cannot manage ourselves. Take us back as colonies. Or should, can, we do what, can we do what the prodigal son should have done and said, you know, I'm a man. I can change my habits. I can look for opportunity and I can make a living from myself as an independent individual. And so if Dominica is that prodigal son who is staring at his situation, her situation in, in those dire, dire straits, can Dominica, Dominica obviously cannot go back to Britain and say, take me back as a colony. You know, the UK can barely support itself, far less to, to, to take on new, new colon, colonies. But can we stand up and stare at the future and say, listen, this is what we need to do. We need a country plan. We need to adjust our constitution. We need to, we need to go at the rule of law. We need to go at the rule of law and, and to make the changes that we need to make. We need to, we need to reckon with the fact that we get affected by a hurricane every so often so therefore we need to organize our society in a, in a position where we are more hurricane resistant should we look at the fact that we are in the in the path of a hurricane and therefore what benefits can we have from what seems to be a disadvantage can we can we can we go and say listen uh, can, maybe we have an institution that studies hurricanes what 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 is it that we can do as as a nation so that we don't we don't go as 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 a groveling as the only choice we have which is what we do we don't literally go back to britain and say take us back as a colony but we constantly go back to these countries and say help us after after hurricane maria our prime minister was in the un saying that if Dominica does not get outside help, Dominica cannot survive. How can you be an independent nation and, and, and come to the conclusion that you cannot survive without, without charity, without aid from other countries? And that didn't happen two years after independence. That happened we, in 78, so that's 22 plus 17 39 years. And we are saying that although we've been independent for 37 years, 
we were devastated by a hurricane. Our hands on our side, on our head. We Papa Bonje Sapufe. That that is how we approach the Maria. We if you don't help us, we will not survive the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. And so folks, we were not ready for independence. Somebody saying without PJ Dominica would still be a colony. I don't see why he would not be given an honorable final send-off. I get a lot of sentiments in support of Patrick John. And so um, if that is a representative of the feelings of the people, we should definitely make that be heard. I saw um, somebody posted a, a photo today that the flags in Dominica have not even been being flown at half-staff. They're not even being flown at half-staff. Uh, connecting back to Haiti, we definitely have a regime in power in Dominica right now where um, stuff, business is not handled the way it should be handled. Parliament is being made into a circus. Parliament is not following the rule of law. We saw, we saw a, I saw a clipping from Parliament in Antigua where the leader of the opposition was allowed to stand and to ask questions, a sit down and the prime minister stands up and answers. Dominica doesn't look anything like that. Dominica is like a bad 12 year old that just, just throwing a temper tantrum and so on. And I, I see all the comments that we're making. Um, you know, folks talk about, you know, the Deepwater Harbor, which would be the introduction of a National Provident Fund. They're talking about the, the achievements of Patrick John as the, when he was Prime Minister, Premier and then Prime Minister of Dominica. And, and so we see that, that strong support. But what I'm saying is that right now, right now, we have to be able to stand up, show that we're an adult, show that we are mature, and that we deserve to be considered as an independent country. My time is pretty much up. It is 9 p.m. Um, uh, Didi Easter said it's evident. Dominica was clearly not ready for seeking independence from Britain. Starting with the draft constitution, it's provided loopholes for circumventing the constitution by the current PM. So again, there is all of that. As a mature nation, do we know what is the country plan? Is there, is there like a, a country plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan? What is the wisdom of putting the airport in Wesley? Is that the best use of the land for Wesley to put an international airport? Can a different technology be deployed where, where we don't have to use up the most of our best land and affect our rivers? As a mature nation, we have to be able to look at the challenges of where we are placed um, and, and, to, and, and, and to really take stock and to decide, listen, we should put ourselves in a situation where we don't have to go and beg the same people who enslave our, our ancestors, the same people who our ancestors fought and won the land and gave it to us, our ancestors fought slavery. They were killed, they bled, they sweat, and they were able to hand us some beautiful pieces of real estate, some of the best real estate on the globe. And we, their great-grandchildren, now are sitting there and allowing it to be just handed back to the same descendants of, of the slave owners, to, to, to China. We don't seem to have a coherent plan as to how we would manage the resources of the country. Uh, we we are like the prodigal son, except we don't have the option to go back and beg our father, beg our colonial masters to take us back. We have to stand up. We have to tighten our belt. We have to be grown men and women and take responsibility for the future of the country because we probably were not ready for independence in 1978. But in 2021, we don't have a choice but to be ready for the future. Because guess what? The future is coming, whether we're ready or not. 
And from what we're seeing, it's not looking pretty. Hurricanes are getting stronger and more frequent. Um, the, the first world countries are starting to tighten the screws on financial services. Our, we're losing our young people. So right now, most of the Caribbean islands, Dominica included, we operate as a stock farm. We, we produce young people. They, we, we give them basic education and we ship them up so they can go build somebody else's country. Can we stop that habit of being a stock farm for the rest of the world? Because we see our people go in all the other countries and we excel. We, we lead industries. We do, we do all types of, we, we operate at the highest level. We see Dominicans involved in the development of the COVID vaccine. We see Dominicans involved in the biggest construction um, services. We, the, some civic group did uh, a program on the international airport uh, a few, a couple months ago. And there's a young Dominican engineer, Irvin, Irvin Baptist. He gave a presentation. He's so experienced in airport development, airport construction, and, and airport management. I, I know a couple of people who are on that board that was created for the, um, for the international airport. I sent them this information. I'm sure they did not, they, they hasn't contacted him. He's local. All we are doing is making people, giving them a basic education, shipping them out to another so they can build somebody else's country. And in the meantime, the quality of life of our folks in Dominica continue to deteriorate. So I'm ending again by sending my condolences to everybody in Dominica because Patrick John belonged to the people of Dominica. So it's a, it's a loss. We have, to, we have to recognize his life. As everything else, um, we have to be able to look at the contributions and learn from the contributions. We can have a debate as to whether he was wrongly accused, wrongly convicted or not, but we, we have to discuss that, of course. But we also, more importantly, have to learn the lessons. What were the influences around Patrick John? I see discussions with folks of the supporters of the current Labour Party government, and there is nothing that Roosevelt Skerritt can do that you can get his supporters to admit that he made a mistake he could have done better. Nothing. These people will chastise their kids, they will chastise their spouse, they will chastise their neighbor, they will chastise their siblings. It doesn't matter what is it that Roosevelt Skerritt does, they find a reason not to say, hey, I support you, but this is wrong. And so as long as we continue down that road, we are setting up the country for what happened in Haiti. We are setting up the country for Dominica being a prodigal country. We are setting up the country for the continued deterioration of the quality of life. Dominica needs to stand up, take stock, and to decide and to decide that we are going to face the future by taking responsibility for the outcomes of the future. We were not ready for independence in 1978. That is my opinion. We were not ready for independence in 1978. But in 2021, we have to find a way to make ourselves ready for the future. And so, Patrick John, rest in peace. We thank him for, for, what he, for his contributions to the development of the country. We, we send our condolences to the people of Haiti. But we, the ones who are still alive, and we, the ones who are concerned, have to make sure that we contribute to the development of Dominica for the benefit of Dominica. I think that Dominica has all the resources that it has within Dominica to be sufficient for a quality of life of Dominicans in Dominica. So we will continue, we will continue to talk about this, we'll continue to debate. I am going to be on with Sam on, um, on FYI Fridays. He does this show from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Eastern time and I, I spend part of the second half of the show with him and we talk about this type of activity. Of, of events and activities and of course the stories in Haiti will be more developed by then so you can join me for that um, FYI Fridays that's at 10 
on a Friday. Um, and I want to say thank you so much for, for, for staying with me through this um, discussion. I hope um, that it stimulated your thoughts. Um, I know we have a variety of opinions, a variety of thoughts on the matter, but it's okay. That is what makes for development. Different people having different opinions and different ideas and being mature enough to voice those opinions and voice those ideas. And at the end of the day, recognizing that we all should have the same one objective, development of Dominica for the improvement of quality of life for Dominicans. So I want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you to my producer and Sam. This has been This Week in Interview, which is a production of TDN Media Network. I will see you next week. Have a great rest of your week and enjoy the weekend. Goodbye.